Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Tommy, watching you guys makes me really want to have a kid. My dad's payment this week. You're still young, Tommy. I know you make a good soldier. Do you remember what we said to each other when we were kids? Yeah, I do. We never saw that, though. Keep your mouth shut. Any eyewitnesses? No. The night my brother died, nobody saw anything. I wouldn't go around asking questions like that. Father's in deep, Tommy. Real deep. You're gonna have to go to Kerrigan. Try to work something up. I need you to do a little fishing for me. I can't do it. Well, I can't promise you something might not happen to Emma. She's asking questions, Tommy. You might have to do something about that. I need to know what happened to my brother. You don't have another player, Tommy. This is a life we chose. I'm a bad man. I've done a lot of bad things. The only reason you're here is because I spared you. You and me, we're the same. Blood's on your hands. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 336. Due to have its debut is Down East, a crime thriller set in Portland, Maine, that tells the story of a young lobster man named Tommy, who takes on the local crime element when his best friend, Emma, returns to her hometown to investigate the murder of her brother, a story of revenge and redemption. Down East is set to have its debut at the Garden State Film Festival on the 27th of March, and you can purchase tickets at gsff.org. That's www.gsff.org. And joining me now to talk about Down East is the film's writer and director, Joseph Rafa. Joe, I thank you very much for your time today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So the idea for Down East, this was actually conceived by your lead actor, Greg Finley, who plays the role of Tommy. Um, so where did you meet Greg and what was the idea that he kind of pitched to you in regards to what would become uh, Down East? Yeah, we actually met Greg uh Ed Stevens, uh, cinematographer and producer of Down East, while we were shooting a film called Dark Harbor. And Greg auditioned for Dark Harbor, and he's a phenomenal actor. It just wasn't the right fit for that role in that film. Mm. Uh, but he saw that Ed was from Maine. We were shooting in Maine, and he was very passionate about shooting a film of his own yeah. in Portland specifically. Um, and he was, you know, living with the idea of this character uh, for a really long time. And he knew he wanted to set the story in Portland and we came together and kind of just developed the story as it is now. Uh, me, him, Ed and Corey Pike, another producer. It, it was extremely different from the idea that he had been living with, but at the same time, the spirit of it and the identity of the film was very similar. So you guys were actually worked on that script. I read us like for around six months or so. Um, what 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 was I'm curious that original concept that Greg had. What was that that he brought to the table, and what were the first steps that you had to really kind of flesh that out? I think we had to decide uh, what type of film we want to make. Yeah. The original idea was uh, very action packed. Uh, it was bigger 
Uh, it was a bigger film to produce. And we kind of wanted to focus on this love story. I was always attracted to these anti-love stories. Mm. Um, and we knew that was going to be the heart of the film. So we kind of really uh, emphasized this relationship between Tommy and Emma and put that at the center of the film. And then the crime element kind of became the, the backdrop and the catalyst for uh, these characters. Um, the love story, you know, I always say that no matter what type of film it is, big film, small film, indie, whatever, you need to have stakes. Um, you need to have stakes for your characters and something that really the, that the audience can buy into. That's what really keeps the drama going. Um, in this case, it is that love story. Um, and playing the role of Emma is Dylan Silver. You have Greg already on board. You know he's starring in the film as Tommy. Finding the, um, the who's going to play Emma, what was that process like and how did you find Dylan for that role? Uh, it's funny. I worked with Dylan very briefly on uh, Film Fest. Yep. Uh, and you just interviewed Marshall Cook. I did. Extremely talented, and he makes it look effortless. <laughs> um, and uh, she she was a great, great person to work with. And she wasn't on my radar, though, when we were casting Emma and her audition tape came through. And I thought, oh, wow, Dylan Silver. Okay, let me, let me see this. And 30 seconds in, I'm like, oh, that's Emma. Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking for. And it, in a lot of ways, you didn't really know what you were looking for in, in certain characters until you saw it. And she just knocked the audition tape out of the park. And then her and Greg had amazing chemistry. And and our casting directors, Christy Faison and Jamie Rudofsky, were, were phenomenal. They made the casting process really easy. But Dylan specifically uh, really surprised me. And I was um, was very excited that, that she came on board and, and joined us. You talked about how um, Maine is the home state uh, for Greg. Also, your cinematographer and producer, um, Ed Stevens, is from there as well. You said before also that you've, you've, you've shot there before. Dark Harbor was shot there. You, I think you guys did a documentary as well. You produced one called, um, uh, I forgot what it's called now, just the top of my head. Uh, Alice is Still Dead. Alice is Still Dead, and I'm pretty sure that was in Dunning, Maine as well. Um, when What was your perceptions of that, that town, that community, before you went there? Because for a lot of people, I think – you know, Maine is, is a significantly kind of smaller U.S. state, especially population-wise. Um, what did you know of Maine beforehand? What perceptions did you have? And what do you take away having worked there um, for a few films now? I knew very little of Maine. Uh, I didn't travel much growing up. Uh, I, I was born and raised in, in Philadelphia, New Jersey. I went to Disney World a few times, and then I drove to L.A., and that was the extent of my travel experience. Mm. Alice is Still Dead was the first time that I had an excuse to go to Maine. Uh, with Ed Stevens. And I absolutely fell in love with it the first time I was there. I knew Stephen King said all his stories there. Uh, and I hadn't read any Stephen King at that time. And as soon as I went to Maine, uh, Portland specifically, it has got such great character. It reminded me of Philadelphia in a lot of ways because it's a very intimate city with a very specific identity. But it was very different in a lot of ways. And I've never had lobster until I went to Maine. I had some lobster and, and I fell in love with lobster rolls. Uh, then I read all, you know, 20 Stephen King books the, the year uh, mm. following. And I immersed myself in in everything Maine for, for as much as I could. It, it was really a place that now feels like a second home to me. Uh, I've been to Maine several times over the past couple of years for work and just to vacation and just to spend time there. Uh, and I, I think it's one of my favorite cities. There have been some films film, um, filmed in Maine before. Um, I think Pet Cemetery was filmed, filmed there, um, Cider House Rules, um, Shutter Island, I'm pretty sure, there's some scenes filmed there. What's there in the way of a film community? Are there kind of resources there, crew there that you can tap into, or do you have to kind of bring in your own guys over from California? 
we kind of were a hybrid. We brought people from California and then we hired local cast and crew. I think the culture there really helped us, uh, especially because we're an independent production and you're shooting long days and long hours and just the community, uh, the way they embraced us and how they helped really energized us in a lot of ways. We had one producer, Kevin Haley, who we just, you know, approached to, Hey, get us a couple locations if you can. And a day that we spent location Seattle and we, we thought we were going to see two or three places. Kevin Haley ended up taking us to maybe a dozen by the day's end and locking down, making phone calls and locking down uh, locations and food. And it was just, it was a phenomenal experience, uh, especially when you get the local community involved that doesn't really um, involve themselves with filmmaking generally. It's exciting for them and it's exciting for us. You know, one thing I really felt while watching the movie amongst others is the cold. Um, main winter, I imagine it would be just absolutely freezing down there. And you, your main character being the lobster man, you actually filmed on a lobster boat in the middle of winter. What is that experience yeah. like? Because you know what they say, um, the old kind of Jaws thing, never film on water, and you're filming on water during like cold winter days. Um, what yeah. is that experience like? Does that mess also with any type of tech aspects in regards to cameras, et cetera? Um, did you have to like bring in kind of like new lenses, et cetera, to kind of deal with the, with the cold and the wet in, in, in any sort of way? Well, we definitely had to have a contingency plan whenever we thought there would be a chance the camera froze. Uh, but there's not much you could do. You're kind of at the mercy of the weather. And, you know, early on in the in the process, when we thought, you know, when do we want to set the story? When do we want to shoot? We mm. said, you know, the winter, the cold is another character in the film. So yes. I think it would be really important that we do that. But when you're actually there shooting in the cold, you're like, oh, this was a mistake. <laughs> this, this would have been so much better if we shot in the summer, not for the sake of the story and the project, just for the sake of ourselves. Uh, but on the boat specifically, on the lobster boat, we had one day to shoot all the scenes on the lobster boat. And my uh, cinematographer, Ed, and our amazing assistant director, Anthony Hanna, we came up with a shot list and a plan, how we were going to do everything, what would be most efficient. And as soon as we were on the boat, 20 minutes in, we knew this plan was not going to work. Logistically, blocking-wise, the, the actor still needed time to get comfortable with the mechanisms of the ship and, and the, the lobster gear and equipment. So we kind of had to improvise. And one of the things we said was just, we have to get a scene in the can, just a scene between Greg Finley and Kirk Fox talking. And once we did that, it started to snowball and we found our rhythm. Uh, and I think the cold helped in a lot of ways with the performances. You really felt like you're there. Yeah. You know, as a director, when you, you discuss things with the actors uh, a lot in, in pre-production, but you don't really put it on its feet until you're on set. And once they're costumed, we had a great costume designer in Brooke Mulkins and they're in the elements uh, I just kind of have to stay out of the way because everything kind of feels like it's 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 just taking off. All the elements are coming together, the performance with the with the cold and and all the elements that come with production. So it, it was really it was really fun. Um, it was difficult to tolerate the cold at times, but I think ultimately it was important and, and it paid off. Something I really appreciate about the film, especially the crime story element, is that it's different. We're not talking about a Boston crime story or New York or New Jersey. Um, the environment there really brings a different kind of element to it. And the film talks about a seedy underbelly. Does Maine have that kind of criminal element there that you guys could tap into? Is that something you kind of have to bring to the story to kind of make it all work? That That's something we definitely had to uh, uh, fabricate and emphasize. Portland is not high in crime by any means compared to other cities, but it is a port city. So we kind of took that element and ran with it. Yeah, um, And I wanted to tell a, a criminal story about uh, a group of criminals that you know they're not at the top of the food chain 
in a lot of ways. You watch something like The Sopranos, which had a profound effect on me, and you're following a, a crew in, in North Jersey that's never taken seriously by New York. I find that very interesting, you know. There's an interesting scene in the film where with this movie, we're talk, dealing with uh, essentially the the, the like an Irish gang or Irish crime gang, and they're kind of being pushed around by like the Italian gang from like further up uh, the the other side of the state. That was a very interesting scene to me because usually in films, uh, whenever there's a sort of beef, it's a little bit of tit for tat that could be violent. But uh, the, the the Irish mob there just kind of had to sit down and take it, didn't they? Yeah, you know, and that's the kind of film we wanted to make. Is a, is a film where even the antagonist feels like they're they're doing what they're doing for the right reasons, that they're motivated for the right reasons. And a big motivating factor for Kerrigan was, you know, if I wasn't doing what I was doing in this town, the, the, the Italian mafia from the North End would be up here and things would be so much worse. Whether he's right or wrong is another story. But, you know, you have these characters that are making decisions because they think it's it's the correct decision to make. And, and then one thing leads to another and, and you're living in a world full with moral ambiguity and questionable decisions and just operating in this gray area. And that's that's the kind of stuff I like to explore. I want to talk a little bit about Kerrigan because I don't think a lot of people are talking enough about this guy. Um, played by Judson Mills and doing research on your film and looking into your different actors as well. These guys are bona fide badass. Um, he has been doing films with Chuck Norris. Um, he's just he's quite something else. You actually worked with Judson before on a um, show you developed back in the day called um, Spades. Um, what was it like working with Judson? Um, and does he really come, he really has kind of like an intimidating air about him. Does he really have that kind of physicality, the intimidation off screen as well? Oh, for sure. Uh, he's the, he's the kindest guy you'll ever meet. And he's got such a bright spirit, but he has this uh, presence about him. And I met him actually barbacking at the federal bar in North Hollywood. And he was bartending, uh, it was kind of a downtime for the both of us. And down in the sense that not that life was depressing or anything, we just weren't working consistently at the mm. time. So we were, you know, filling the time and, and, and paying the bills, bartending and barbacking as you have to do. And he, you know, just watching him operate behind the bar, uh, I was very, very impressed with the way he carried himself, especially considering where he was at points of his life. And so when I was developing Spades, I casted it with the people that I work with at the bar. Um, and it, it, it really was the beginning of a really good working relationship between me and Judson. He's a bona fide professional. He's extremely talented. But even when the cameras aren't rolling, you can tell he just has that it factor about him that makes him fascinating. You know, when I was watching the film, a couple of film references really popped in my head, and I just want to bring them up. One's obvious, the other one's kind of obscure, but I couldn't help but shake it when I was watching it. I think the first thing that really popped in my head, considering we're dealing with uh, a port city um, on the waterfront, uh, is a movie that really came to my head, especially in regards to the character of Tommy uh, being an ex-boxer as well, and then the um, so kind of like the alliance he used to have with the criminal element there. Um, was On the Waterfront a, a uh, inspiration in regards to you all when uh, making this movie? Oh, absolutely. I, I say that to people all the time. I say, you know, I describe it as a modern day on the waterfront. There's a lot of the same themes. Uh, the characters are, are very similar. And I, that had a very profound effect on me when I when I watched On the Waterfront at a young age. It was amazing. It was fabulous. And everybody points to that scene with Marlon Brando in the backseat of the car. And that's mm. when, you know, acting really took a turn right in history when he decided to make that choice with his brother in the backseat. It's it's really a incredible film. And, and just to, to hear Downey spoken in the same breath, it's, it's humbling. And, and I'm pleased that people are making that connection. So thank you. 
Um, the next reference I had, kind of obscure, but I just couldn't, like I said, I couldn't shake it. So there's a scene um, between between Tommy and his father, played really well by Gareth Williams. Um, and like I said, the character of Tommy is a boxer, and his father kept referring to him as Tommy Gun, Tommy Gun. And you know, when I think Tommy Gun, I don't know about you, Joe, but Rocky Five really pops in my head, and what Tommy Morrison did in that <laughs> film is that is that is am I kind of off base there? Is that something that 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 you know maybe you were uh, a Rocky fan, and maybe that was just something that kind of creeped in there. Um, coming from Philly, I thought Rocky was a real character up until I was about eighteen, a real mm. life character. Um, I actually had not written Tommy Gun in the script. That was something that Gareth Williams came up with on set. Uh-huh. He said, hey, it would be okay if I called, uh, you know, Tommy, Tommy gun. I think it's endearing. I think it's something that a father would say to his son. And I'm like, absolutely run with it. And it became apparent in, in a couple different scenes. So that's one of those things where, you know, the actor brings something to the table that you couldn't even dream of yourself as, as the writer director and, and it made the film that much better. You said before you were raised in both Philly and New Jersey, and you spoke of The Sopranos. And, you know, having done my research, The Sopranos is something that pops up quite a bit uh, when you talked about influences and such. What is it about that series that really kind of inspires you as a creator, as a storyteller? Uh, To this day, it really has an effect on you. Because I also read that despite all the offers on hand in regards to streaming, that's the show that you keep going back to and you watch over and over again. Yeah, it's funny. It's definitely my favorite work of art, whether it's movies, TV shows, books. Um, and watching it, I was young when the show aired. I was in high school. Uh, I was very frustrated with with it. I, it was not enough people were getting whacked. Where's the violence? Why are we exploring all these storylines that I don't care about? And I just watched it every Sunday because it's just what me and my dad did. We watched football, then we watched The Sopranos. Uh, but growing up, I, I found a new appreciation for it. And the more I watch it, the more layers are revealed to you. Uh, the more respect I have for the show. Um, it, it also gets funnier the, the more you watch it. And it's very anticlimactic in a lot of ways. A lot of storylines in that show end with a whimper and not with a bang. Mm. And I just really identify with that. And I found that very truthful. And over the course of the entire series, I don't know if anybody's ever done anything with a character the way James Gandolfini did with, with Tony Soprano. Mm. And I think I... I, I I urge, if you haven't seen The Sopranos, I urge you to watch it. Um, and if you don't like it, I totally understand because it's not for everybody. But for me, it was uh, a, a very big impact on all the, all the things I do creatively. Well, I think it's like easily top three greatest TV show of all time. I agree. Um, you know, speaking to a lot of, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of indie filmmakers and especially over the last year, year and a half, um, as kind of like the whole COVID epidemic has, has gripped all of us, especially what's happening in the States. And you're currently in California right now. Um, and just seeing what's happening to the industry there um, is just heartbreaking. But there's a, something else that's happening right now, which is it seems to me that a lot of filmmakers are looking to kind of like the smaller towns uh, to work. I was talking to a filmmaker who's been doing his last couple of films in um, Oklahoma, another one um, um, in, um, uh, where was, I, f- I forgot where it was, but pretty much what I'm trying to get to is, do you think, what do you think the future is in regards to filmmaking in the States? Do you think that places like Los Angeles in New York City who have been decimated the worst in regards to the whole COVID thing, do you think places like that, um, less and less work is going to be done there and more filmmakers are going to look to doing stuff in other parts of the States, especially in small places like Maine where you shot your last few films? And do you think that these smaller communities like your Maines, like your Tulsa's are ready to take on um, a lot of these kind of projects? Um, because I think that, 
I don't know. I don't know. I just foresee that the future of filmmaking in the States is going to be more locations, smaller towns. And from that will be more film communities and may perhaps even future filmmakers propping up from these small towns and probably never had an opportunity um, otherwise, um, considering, you know, yourself from New Jersey and and, uh, Philadelphia, but you have to move over to California to uh, really establish yourself. Yes, I think you're right. And and I hope you're right. I think even before COVID, we were starting to trend in that direction, where with, you know, technology the way it was, it was easier for people to access uh, equipment and make high quality projects without being in New York and LA. I do think that right now you still need to move to LA or New York if you want to uh, follow a certain career path and be hired in LA and New York. That being said, I think with the movement you're seeing with COVID, with the social awakening that we're experiencing as well, with the push to to represent voices that may have been underrepresented or misrepresented the past decades, that you will get those opportunities and you will see people in smaller areas being able to create and being included in Hollywood in a way they weren't before. So I think it's exciting and I think it's important and I hope we continue in that direction. So for everyone out there listening, Down East due to have its premiere, it's the 27th, um, is that correct, Joe? Yes, March 27th. At the Garden State Film Festival. Please go to www.gsff.org. You can grab your tickets there. It's a virtual screening. I really highly recommend everyone watch this film. If you're a big fan of uh, crime stories uh, with, a, with a dash of romance, with a dash of thrills, all of that good stuff in between, great performances, excellent location, I can really recommend everyone check out Down East. And Joe Rathai, thank you very much for your time today. And congratulations with the film. I can't wait to see uh, what the future holes in regards to distribution with the film and as soon as you know let me know so i can tell people uh where to watch it as soon as it hits those streaming platforms thank you so much man i really appreciate it and it was a pleasure to talking with you